Wars. Episode 0028. One flew over the cuckoo's nest versus American Beauty. Let's quit our fucking jobs and watch movies. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Wars Podcast, episode 002 out. Oh, fuck, 28. I'm your host, Kyle. It's not like, whoops, where did my job go? I quit. Past the asparagus, I'm Kyle. Mmm, juicy fruit. I'm Drew. Oh, I didn't realize you were done. Phil! I actually have a quote today. He's a tax attorney and he's an anesthesiologist. I'm Phil. <laughs> yes. That, that was worked. so good. Phil, I, I really feel like American Beauty is, is your movie. I love it. I, I kind of, I thought it was right up your alley. Because it's fucked up. Yeah. Just yeah. like me, but yeah. P-H-U-K-D. Fuck. Today, we have One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest versus American Beauty. You know, from the outside looking in at a surface level, there is a surfacey thing that connects these two movies. They share a bond in the fact that they are in an exclusive class of 43 movies that were nominated for what's called the Big Five Oscars. That is Best Film, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Screenplay. What's crazy, though, is that One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is an even more exclusive group, which is three films that won all five of those categories. The other two being 1934's It Happened One Night, starring Clark Gable, and The Silence of the Lambs, the only three films to actually sweep the Big Five. Wow. American Beauty lost by one. They dropped Best Actress actress, Annette Bening, lost to Hilary Swank for Boys Don't Cry. That's kind of the surface level thing that connects them, but there are these themes, these ideas of imprisonment, of oppression, and of juxtaposition of what culture determines to be sane and insane. It's easier to diagnose in one floor of the cuckoo's nest because Nurse Ratchet, who is this physical, tyrannical form of oppression that's oppressing these men. What's interesting is what she's using, the mechanism that they're using to cure these men, is they use what's determined to be societal norms. We vote, you know, we have quiet time, you can play games here, you can sleep now. What it's really telling us is that society itself is fucking insane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's this weird juxtaposition, especially when you consider that Ken Kesey wrote the book in reaction to how society reacted to the Vietnam War, not just one group, but, you know, hippies, the politicians. And that's really what it's based on. It was an analysis of the society that these men were reprieving from to the insane asylum. And I think in the book, I'm trying to remember, but I think the chief is actually a war veteran in the book. So that was actually a big thing that didn't come through in the film. In American beauty, it is a little more sinister because the oppression is wrapped up in this hypocrisy of American suburbia. This idea that on the outside everything looks clean and shiny. We have the red door in the house, the neighbors, you know, that have full-time jobs, the yard, the marriage, the kids, but everything is unraveling underneath. And to me, that's even more sinister because it's that pretend everything is okay hypocrisy. And Sam Mendes, the director of American Beauty, uh, really drove this point home with visuals. He talks about how his goal was in multiple frames to make Lester, Kevin Spacey's character to look like he was in a jail cell. Like if you look at the shower scene at the beginning, he focuses on the square nature of the shower. Hmm. When he's looking through the window at their neighbors, when Caroline is talking to the neighbors, his window is made to look like a prison cell. And the last one he talks about is... Interesting, I had not mm-hmm. caught Yeah, and when you first see him in his office when he's working as an executive, his reflection in the computer screen, it's made to look like a box. So he's constantly making him look like he's in prison. And I love how one flew over the cuckoo's nest drives this point. In the beginning, one of my favorite quotes is when Dr. Spivey is doing his induction with uh, McMurphy, Nicholson's character, and interviewing about why he's there. Spivey says to McMurphy, well, you have five prior arrests for assault. McMurphy says, five fights, huh? Rocky Marciano's got 40 and he's a millionaire. I love that because it's like, it made 
made me think, and that's the very beginning of the movie. I'm thinking he's right. Like if you get in a bar fight and smash a guy's skull in, that's a crime. But we got guys in a ring doing the same thing for money, and hmm. we cheer it on. As long as it's sanctioned by the Federation. That's right, ladies and the gentlemen. American Let's Federation. get ready to rumble. Yeah, as long as that guy's there saying that into the mic, and there's a Federation, you can beat the shit out of another guy. Whoever you want for yeah. money. But I love it because it drove home this idea. I'm thinking, wow, like society, we depend on our societal norms, our surroundings, what we grew up with to determine what's normal. Now, obviously, he's a rapist and he's an assaulter. That's not good. But the point metaphorically is what is normal and what isn't normal. And the last point I want to go into, what I loved about watching these movies back to back, it just so happened that I watched One Flew and then American Beauty is that the society that One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is commentating on is demonstrated in mm. American Beauty. You can almost watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, think about that juxtaposition. That other side of the juxtaposition is that cultural hypocrisy in American suburbia and American beauty. Interesting point. And it's so weird. It's like a walk. It's like a four hour long walk. And I, I really love that. And I'll finish with this quote. I feel like Bo Goldman, one of the screenwriters for One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest said this in the special features. From the moment we're born, we're enjoined into a system, but what are we to do but invent ourselves? And it's interesting. Hmm. And that's really, even though that's One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, that's the story of Lester, right? He's enjoined in the system, the oppression of his, his trophy wife who's trying to have everything together and be the best realtor. And she listens to self-help books. He just wants to break out. He wants to break out so much that he quits his job and takes a job as a fast food cashier because to him, that's positive. That's like my whole life is ahead of me now. I'm starting at the bottom and everything is new to me. So anyway, really interesting film. Love these themes. What were your impressions of the movies, Drew? Great stuff, Kyle. Really Great good Great stuff. Purple flavor. I mean, any good art, it makes you ask questions. And the question that these two movies, I think, make you ask are, who's crazier, myself or the institution in which I'm involved in? That's like, to me, the, those are the, when you walk out of the theater, those are kinds of the things that are lingering. But I, I mean, I really enjoyed them both. I, I, the pacing of Cuckoo's Nest, it might just be a generational thing or it might be, I, I don't know, I relate more to the 90s or something, just the way in which movies were made then. But I felt like American Beauty was more enjoyable because of the pacing and it felt a little bit more comedic in tone. Like it was almost kind of poking more fun and Cuckoo's Nest was more just like on the nose. But another thing I thought they shared was there was such rigidity in the environment. You know, like in Cuckoo's Nest, you had all the white walls and the white nurses and the like the, you know, there were literal locks on all the doors. And in American Beauty, all the characters were very kind of like up their own ass and like, I don't mm -hmm. even know how, what a better way to say it. Just, they were the most hyperbolic versions of what yes, they were. Yes, exaggerated mm -hmm. and boisterous. Um, that hyperbolic thing is funny that you say that because I was watching the movie with my wife last night and middle of the movie, I turned to her and said, this movie is literally just a hyperbolized version of all of these characters. The hoey teenager yes. is taken to the nth degree and the, the horny teenage daughter. Yeah, and yeah, it's like taken to the nth degree and the horny dad is taken to the nth degree and the, the overbearing wife is taken to the nth degree. And so to me, it was like, I can see society in all of these people, but this is like taking everyone up a notch. Yes. To make a point. And yeah, anyway, you sorry. see that in Hollywood a lot. Everything is dramatized. So in that sense, Cuckoo's did it better. I felt like it didn't try as hard, but <clears throat> anyway, yeah, enjoy both of them. I'm, I'm excited to, to get into this. Thank you, Drew. Filskis. Yeah. So, you know, I, I watched both 
both of these uh, more or less at the same time. Not at the same physical time because that's impossible to do that. And, <laughs> one and TV over keep here. Keep track. Yeah, I just <laughs> one had them TV both. Over one whatever, AirPods got one on. Whatever, yeah, whatever scene happened to have the <laughs> most. Fucking Jack Spacey's yeah, in my ears. The most cool shit going on. I just flipped to the audio of that. But no, um, I, I kind of watched Cuckoo's Nest in Pieces like during my morning workouts. <laughs> and then I watched American Beauty with my wife. I didn't have as easy of a time connecting these two movies, but I do see where the through line passes. I think my whole take on these were Cuckoo's Nest was a very encapsulated look at the state of mental health treatment in the 1960s. Post-Vietnam. Yeah. Anti-therapeutics. I mean, that wouldn't have even been post-Vietnam. That would have head been like mid-Vietnam. It's what they refer to in film as the head shrinker yeah. thing. There's this, you know, all the even as far as What About Bob, there are so oh, many films that, that criticize, and they, they literally call it the head shrinker thing. It's like, because they didn't call them therapists. Yeah. A lot of them were referred to as head shrinkers because they were looked at negatively. Mm -hmm. I think the tough part about Cuckoo's Nest was watching that movie knowing that it was a somewhat accurate depiction of what they actually did to quote-unquote crazy people in the post-mid-century situation in, in America. Like, it was like they were, they just had just enough science to make an institution out of it, mm. but they weren't smart enough to actually do it effectively. Great point. Like, I was watching that movie just sad <laughs> the whole time that, like, it was almost like they created this cycle of admitting someone into their hospital, and then there's a reality to pushing a human being beyond what's reasonable and then having a reaction to it. And it's almost like these clinics did that to these people to get that reaction out of them to validate the fact that they were insane. And it was, and if you look at Jack Nicholson's character when he goes in, the guy's kind of just a criminal. He's not insane. And even throughout the movie, they say, like, he's not crazy. But they push him to the point where he acts like a crazy person. Because if you drag someone into a room filled right. with doctors and you stick a bunch of electrodes on their head, they're going to react a certain way. And it's almost like they're looking for that reaction to be like, see, he's crazy. We're trying to give him his medicine and he's crazy. It, Dude, it just, and the fact that they just lined him up and handed them all the, the same, same medication. Like nothing is, yeah. you know, so that, itemized. Yeah, it was, and, and to think that that level of treatment doesn't have some kind of impact on today's psychological treatment of people and even the depths of counseling or whatever, to think that that doesn't have some influence I, is, is completely ignorant. Like the fabric of what makes America, America is still woven within things, whether or not we realize it. And, mm -hmm. and I think that Cuckoo's Nest was a weird look into that. I mean, we literally, I just read today that it's apparently it's Mental Health Awareness Month and we all know people that post word for word transcripts of what their therapist said to them that day. Yeah. I mean, it's a totally <laughs> different deal now. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different deal. I think mental health is, is more holistically seen, but Cuckoo's Nest was just sad. Um, American Beauty to me was just a slightly comical, it was like a dark comedy hyperbolized version of American suburban life. Like everybody in American Beauty in real life would have actually been a criminal. Like, nobody has that many fucked up impulses that mm -hmm. they don't act on until they're in their 40s or whatever. Like, Kevin Spacey's character, if he had that poor of control over his impulses, he would have done something fucked up and ended up in prison long beforehand. So that's why, it, to me, it was a very hyperbolized look at, like, American suburban life. But at the same time, both very important pieces of media. I don't that's know. That's such a good point. Mm -hmm. You know yeah, what I like mean? He would have had an affair with a, a woman kid. his old age before. You don't start with your daughter's friend. Yeah, like, exactly. You know what I mean? That that was yeah. my issue. Well, not issue with that movie, but it was, that's why to me it was super hyperbolized because no one makes it to their mid-40s with that lack of impulse control without doing something really fucked up. Yeah, and I think the problem is, is it's so on the nose. And I hate to use the word Oscar bait, but it's an Oscar baity film. It just, mm. kind of, you watch it and it's kind of yeah. feels like they're fishing. And I, I, I don't it. disagree with that. Philosophically, I get it. You know, the daughter's friend is the appearance of freedom to him. And then 
then obviously he backs off at the end when he find, finds out that she's a virgin and she's not this wild, you know, promiscuous girl that she plays off to be. And all of a sudden he can only look at her as a daughter. That's actually a beautiful idea of him mm. stepping back and be like, she's a daughter. She's not this item of lust that's a, a key to my jail cell. Mm-hmm. But it's by the time we get there, we've had so much metaphor with the drill sergeant. And it's yeah. just like it's metaphor after metaphor and it's good, but it's on the nose. And so I think by that time, I get what they're going for, but you're so worn out. You're like, okay, like, what are we seeing here? Like, this just doesn't feel real to me sometimes. And so, yeah, I think that was, yeah, the thing with American Beauty is it was just a few steps over the line of realistic, but it was, they were trying to, you know, prove a point with Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And I, you know, for me, I I watched One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest during my, uh, this was my pre Netflix physical phase. I I was too young. Pre Netflix. Pre Netflix. Yeah. I was too young to really understand, or I, I wasn't, I just didn't pay enough attention. Something, it didn't resonate, but now watching it in an older age, it really did. I actually prefer it of these two movies. It's Jack Nicholson, man. You get Jack Nicholson a bunch of screen time, I'm in. He's Wait, just, you're, you're casting your vote now? Oh, yeah. For a cuckoo. Oh, yeah. I loved it. It was, it's so, it's so fun well, to me. Well. We can cut that out and do that at the end if you want. <laughs> no, you do what you want. No, I, I just. This I, is your fucking podcast. No, yeah, no, I don't, God I don't mind it. that we, you said that now. I'm just, I yeah, I disagree. Oh, yeah. that's great. I love disagree. You know what else? Uh, this is I confrontational. I also disagree. Calendar Kyle is now confrontational, Kyle. Everybody suck it. I'm going to go as far <laughs> as to say Cuckoo's Nest is not a very good movie. Okay, we'll get into that. Wow. All right. I can't wait to hear that. We'll get to that. You got to say it, Drew, for the fans. They want it. They we'll need It is that. boring and self-indulgent. We'll get to your dissection of- That's funny. I think American Beauty is so self-indulgent. I think One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest is raw. I nah. think it's- They purposely cast people that were not known- Christopher Lloyd, we all know him now from Back to the Future, but he was a nobody back then. Like, it's yeah. it's a fine movie. It's well made. It's well constructed. It's well it is acted. well made. Well it's constructed. Just, it's just boring. It's mm-hmm. boring as oh, fuck. Yeah. I think because of all the white, all the sterile, all the medical, all the crazy yep. people. Well, they it's also like, the self indulgent thing to me was more on the the side of the filmmakers because they hang on some like social scenes for a long ass time in that movie. It's not just them playing cards. It's them playing the whole card game. Mm-hmm. It's not just them acting out a part right. of the world. Series, it's them acting out like five minutes of the mm. World Series. So it's like, right, there's, point. I, I have an issue when movies pad their runtime with poor editing. Mm-hmm. And part of that, though, is, this was '75. Mm-hmm. This is the era of the Godfather. I mean, the attention span, even in the '90s, late '90s, is way more yeah. high paced than I mean, the MTV. Mm-hmm. We're out of past the MTV era, and all like our attention span is short by 1999. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching American Beauty, and then you go back 25 years, things were just yeah. slower. Then. I think True. it's interesting because the Godfather's like your movie and the 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 but marriage. But it was purposeful. Di- it's it's kind of like yeah. Uh, but, I know Kyle, me and you have had this conversation yeah. about Breaking Bad. How there's not a wasted breath in mm-hmm. that show. You can have mm-hmm. self indulgence as long as it's not wasteful. And I felt like with Cuckoo's Nest, and you know, and this is I've ranted about this in other episodes. You know, there's this sacredness to old movies. It's like you can't shit on an old classic. Well, I'm gonna shit on an old classic. <laughs> Do it, baby. I think it gets a lot of grace for the subject matter and for the people that are in it because the cast is great and the acting is like second to none it's flawless top to bottom from a storytelling perspective it really drops the ball it's basically telling the story of a criminal who may or may not have mental issues that they end up lobotomizing at the end and and they and they stretch that out into, into a two and a half hour movie so before we get to randos i just want to do a quick little thing about patreon oh patreon pa- patreon patron we have a patreon i've been talking to ad people we've been talking to ad people most of them in the vein of talking about 
about shaving our nether regions, yep. cleansing our nether regions. They want us to tell you about shaving they our nether regions. They want us. We do I don't want to tell you about that. We don't want to talk about where you shave. I, mean, I tell we, you all kinds of shit. The you know? ratio of, of male to female listenership is 90 to 10, but we still love our 10% of female viewers. No one's know. coming to Movie Wars to meet girls. Yeah, that's no. right. That's right. Well, Or shave their fucking balls. Yeah. I don't want to talk to you about shaving my balls, but guess what? I'm going to give you an even better deal. We're making new content that's Patreon exclusive. The new show, Philosophy. If you like the introduction to Movie Wars, it's that, except it's a 15-minute bite-sized show focused on one movie. Whatever movie I feel like, my top 50, new movies, old movies, whatever it is, I take requests from our Patreon subscribers. $7 gets you access to that show. It gets you access to interviews with people like Peter Iliff, who wrote Point Break, who wrote Varsity Blues, Patriot Games with Harrison Ford. I interviewed that guy. If you want to hear it, that's going to be on Patreon. I interviewed Mick Rogers, Mel Gibson stuntman. I mean, for crying hmm. out loud. If you want to hear it, oh, Steve Byrne, director, legendary comedian. That's all going to be on what? our- yeah, that's going to be on our Patreon. So that's how you get access to it. $3 gets you access to our Facebook group where you can come in. I'm going to put survey monkeys out where you can vote on the scorecard. Your comments can be read. $7, the price of one shitty latte at Starbucks a month. Starbies gets you <sighs> access to Filmosophy, to those interviews, and to lots of content and Q&As with us three. That's so, it. I'm, I'm signing up. You're signing this. up? Drew. Here's the other thing. If you like an ad-free podcast, and who doesn't, if you actually like ads, I question your yes. entire fucking existence. You're just a, 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 a little piglet sucking on the teat of society. <laughs> That's right. You ad-loving fuck. If you actually <laughs> like ads, then sure, listen to every other jerk-off podcast where there are ads. If you don't want ads, then just That's fucking right. give us seven bucks. We don't have to make ads. Think about it. But if you I'll, don't give us the money, we have to make ads. Instead of me trying to get you to, to buy a, a ball shaver, I'm giving you more shows. Yeah, you know, here's a trick. Shave your nuts with a fucking razor like a man. <laughs> <laughs> that have, that you haven't I replaced do. in two years. You're looking at me like I'm going to say Oh, I thought something. you were going to say something about the Patreon. I shave oh, my no, nuts like a man. I was going to say our wives would be more excited to let us record this if you if you support our Patreon. Yes. I thought you were going to say our wives would be more excited if you shaved your balls. I, <laughs> I have four children. One of them usually doesn't eat. I'm just kidding. That's not the case. <laughs> I have one child and she doesn't eat. So there you go. Go to the link in our episode. Rando. You're going to love this. This rando is for you. For He's one, pointing at Drew. One, Drew. Sorry. Yeah. Forget there's no visuals here. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Michael Douglas produced One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, was he seven? No, he was older. <laughs> he got the rights from his dad, Kirk Douglas. So his dad mm. had the rights. <sighs> he bought the rights to Ken Kesey's book. He made a play out of, uh, of it. It was very mixed reviews. People didn't receive it well. No studio wanted to make the film. So Michael Douglas approached his dad and said, give me the rights. Let me run with it. He was able to finally get the film made. And then he goes up and receives the Oscar. No mm -hmm. way. Yep. Well, what movie did we just cover that Kirk Douglas was going to be in, but he quit because he... Uh, First Blood. That's yeah, that's what I was First Blood, say, First okay, Blood, which yeah. is another post-Vietnam War mm -hmm. era. It's interesting. He had an affinity for these movies, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So, yeah, Michael Douglas. So before, I mean, in his first foray in acting was a TV show called, uh, I think called The Streets of San Francisco or San Francisco Streets, where he was a cop. Um, but his first uh, big success was getting an Oscar for producing this film. Wow. So, that's yeah, wild. That's pretty cool, huh? Second rando for one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Michael Douglas found Will Sampson, who plays Chief Bromden, through a car dealer. He sat next to a car dealer on an airplane going to Oregon, and it turned out that this car dealer's 
dad was a native an agent for Native American actors, and he's they got into this conversation. He's like, I need a big, tall Native American man. He's like, I got the guy, and so he introduced him to Will Sampson. And Michael Douglas said, the minute that him and the other writers from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest saw him, they were like, yeah, the names that passed on playing McMurphy, Gene Hackman, Marlon Brando, Milos, uh, the director, was obsessed with Burt Reynolds, and Michael Douglas said that at the time Jack Nicholson had a reputation for being sensitive. He was kind of this uh, intellectual actor. Then he did a movie called The Last Detail, which shows what Michael Douglas calls the size of his acting, the shadow he could cast. And he Is says, that the Michael Jordan documentary? Yep, yep, The Last Detail. Yep, it was uh, (laughs) Rodman's Vegas trip, The Last Detail. (laughs) Um... (laughs) <laughs> um, this is a slow burn joke this is hilarious they visited four mental institutions and the only reason they picked this one is because they were the only people that actually read the book I guess they sent books and they're like, oh, the, wow. they like this is the movie we're making and it's the Oregon State Hospital is where they went oh, so there you go. they're like alright read this book we're gonna visit this is the movie we're making and apparently if you read the book you won so what a world Wait, why did they give a shit who read the book I guess because they got it man they get it man you know you gotta get it that man. feels like not true rando I don't know that's what Douglas said. I don't know. I don't know. That's what he says in the commentary. It's Michael Douglas. This is during his Coke phase, you know. He had sure. a he had a long yeah, everybody all everybody in Hollywood. We've all been had there. Had a Coke phase. I, I'm in the middle of mine now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm in phase two of my Coke phase. On the last podcast, I, think I heard you said phase four is where it really like gets. You're weird. doing meth on Fridays only. That was what you said on the <laughs> <Yeah>. last. <laughs> Why do I joke about doing something? So <laughs> Have you ever seen a, a crack pipe before? No. no. It's I got a bulb at the end. Uh. Last random for Cuckoo's Nest. The guy that plays Doctor Spivey. It was the real head of the hospital. So he did. He turned into a successful actor after this. But Doctor Spivey, played by I think Dean Brooks is his name. They were like, why don't we get the actual head of the hospital, the actual doctor, to play Doctor Spivey? And Maybe so that's did. why they cared who read the book because they wanted the guy to be like mm. authentically. Yeah, and they really did a lot for the authenticity. In the week leading into filming, kicking off, the first half of the day was rehearsal, and then the second half of the day, the men lived on their ward. So that ward is wow. the real ward from the hospital. So Jack Nicholson, Danny DeVito, all these people were actually sleeping in the room. Hey, and then they found patient so they had the doctor Dr. Spivey actually interviewed them all and said the guy that played Dr. Spivey and he said I think you have this I think your character has this mental illness and went to the actual patients and paired them up with patients and they spent time with them to help them understand how they act and behave so they actually and they gave them the feeling of isolation this feeling of being locked up and being treated the way they were treated so that was all they that's not what they did to make sure it was authentic I'll say something embarrassing I didn't realize until the credits rolled that that was Danny DeVito because he looks so Vito? Yeah. Martini. Martini is Danny DeVito. I did not put that There together. you go. He it is. doesn't, and then even after I knew that, I rolled it back and watched other scenes with him, and I still was like, this does not look like Danny DeVito, because you think of Danny DeVito like this round, Bald. little, like, short troll guy. He didn't, doesn't even look like himself. Mm-hmm. Also, how the fuck old is Danny DeVito that this was made in 1975, and he was, what, in his 30s then? Mm-hmm. And then he's in Always Sunny in Philadelphia for, like, 15 yeah. seasons. It's because he doesn't how have How old is this guy? There's Bald and then there's Danny DeVito with Legendary Bald. He's 4'10". I mean, he was in he was in Friends looking old as like the stripper mm-hmm. cop. You know how he got the job is he was uh, Michael Douglas's roommate and best friend. Yep. Interesting. That's how he got it. Yeah, he was born in 44, so he was literally around 30. 
And then he wanted wow. to play penguin. All right. American Beauty Randos. The hand on the belly button. So the one of the posters, right, is the hand with the rose and the belly button. Yee. You're going to love this, Phil. You know whose hand that is? Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. She was a hand model then. Oh, God. And so she she actually came out years later and says, I have to confess something. The poster for American Beauty, that is my hand. I was a hand model. Who is this? Christina, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men, who plays Joan. Oh, that's, that, her, that's her hand on the poster because she was a hand model before. What she poster? Was the, there's no hand on the poster. Yeah, there is. I mean, there, there my is question a is, how the fuck is the was she a hand model? Oh, there is a hand. That's Christina Hendricks' hand. I only ever saw the abs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's an ab man. I'm an ladies. ab man. Well, well, Phil's a hand man. Absolutely. So. I'm kind of yeah. an I'm kind of an elbow guy myself. Uh, so American Beauty. So Alan Ball, when he wrote the screenplay, it was inspired by a real life murder that took place. I don't remember the story. I think we were pretty young in the '90s. Amy Fisher, Joey Buttafuoco, where I guess Amy Fisher, she was having an affair with Buttafuoco and killed his real wife. It was going to be a play. Crazy, right? Buttafuoco. Mm. Buttafuoco. That's an Italian name, right? How do you say that? Sure. Buttafuoco. Buttafuoco. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Future Phil. Help us go. Everybody's thinking it. Everybody. Come on. Not everybody. I, Joey Buttafuoco. All right. Yeah. What? How does that work? God. That was on one. Very it's, selfish it's shirt tonight. It's just a fact. I, well, okay. I love it's just that. a fact. Uh, Buttafuoco. It's just a butter fact. <laughs> Put some butter on that butter fuoco. All right, let's move the shall fuck we on, war? shall we? Yes. Shall, let's fly over the cuckoo's nest. I would love to. Shall let's we? take American to war. Drew, you get that pocket, man. Get that up there. Get that goddamn up there. Get that up there, man. Yeet. Oh. Mm. Oh, no, I've lost Cuckoo's Nest. I did a deep dive on Danny DeVito a minute ago. Okay, one flew over the Cuckoo's Nest. Top bill cast. Should we just do the top two guys? Yeah, I think... Sure. Yeah, let's do leading Do we men. have another category that's just the two, squaring nope. the two off? No, nope. I mean, we have one about leading men, but it's not a leading men battle. It's like a theoretical thing. So yeah, Got just it. do the Love top. It. Yeah. Jack Nicholson versus Kevin Spacey cool. to Phil. Yeah, you got to start this one. I, I don't even know. Easy, Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Really? Is it is it that easy, It though? is that easy. You gotta give us more. Why was Spacey so good or why was Nicholson so bad? I think I think this was one of the defining roles in Kevin Spacey's career. I know it's really popular to hate on Kevin Spacey because, you know, he's a freak he and a creep. got found out for being a fucking perv or whatever. But Which I, none I, of that is okay and we do not condone. Yeah, you know, Fuck whatever you, we Kevin need Spacey. to say to make everybody out there feel better. But at the end of the day, just because somebody is a degenerate fuck up... <laughs> That doesn't negate their accomplishments and his mm. performance in American Beauty. The thing that I was I, I couldn't get over when I was watching it was how flawlessly casted and executed that entire movie was. There wasn't a weak link in the chain in that movie. And Kevin Spacey was like the chainiest of chain links in that. He just held the whole thing together. Mm. His performance was 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 flawless. You know, for him being a hyperbolized version of himself and, uh, and of like a suburban dad who. You you know, was acting on his own bizarre criminal impulses. He just killed it. And uh, I mean, Jack Nicholson is great, but I also think Jack Nicholson has a thing and he does that thing and he does it well. Did you order I, a I code just, red? In all fairness, I, I think Jack Nicholson's kind of a one trick pony. Come at me. I really don't fucking care. Taking a breath now. Kevin, Kyle, all what do you space. think? Man. Well, this is tough. You think the way Stephen King did, the way I looked at this is really interesting. Stephen King said um, he hated Kubrick's version of The Shining. And one of the reasons was... I don't like his... I don't like Kubrick's oh, version of The Shining. Oh, I loved it. It's top 10 for me. But he... <laughs> 
everything's for, back for Jack Nicholson. Everything Jack Nicholson being the main reason. Yeah, but Stephen King hated one of the reasons he hated was because of one flew of the cuckoo's nest. He thought it was so he thought it was so easy for Kubrick to cast him because he is the crazy guy because yeah. he's so good at being the crazy guy. I actually think I, I think he's more dimensional than that. What this came down to for me was signature. This is a Kevin Spacey signature role. I think he just freaking blows it up. I think Nicholson goes on to have more signature roles in The Shining. Well, he doesn't bang any uh, kids. Tom Cruise, so uh, a few good men. Hmm. I, I think those are the signature films for him. I think he's great in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, but I think he continues to progress. I think this is like Kevin Spacey, like with a bat, like knocking it out of the park. I do hmm. go Spacey here. I, there's just some lines here. The, the my intro quote. I, I both laughed and and was hurting at the same time when he goes past the asparagus after uh, I didn't quit or whoa, whoa, whoa my job I quit and he goes past the asparagus past the goddamn asparagus. <laughs> yeah. So put my dick in a mason jar under the sink. I mean. The, he delivers these lines with yeah. like so much gusto. Yeah. There's yeah, like there yeah. you can feel hatred behind those lines, which is I feel like actual hatred is tough to portray on screen yeah. and get across to the audience. Yeah. And Kevin Spacey, maybe it's because he's pulling from an authentic place or something, but that dude delivers hate, absolute vitriol. Like when he's talking to his wife's lover, who he doesn't know is a lover at the time, he's like, "I met you at this thing last year." <laughs> yeah, dude, Kevin Kevin Spacey is just trolling the world and. Providing fiery hatred through that entire movie, and that's hard to portray. So, also, I have I have no I I will never give an old actor respect just for the fact that they were an old actor. I evaluate it based on what I see. I love how you call them old. They both have careers that you know until you know Kevin Spacey's thing happened. But I mean, they they went on to do greater films. Sure. I mean, like I said, Nicholson's greatest films to me are A Few Good Men and The Shining. And those were later. Always plays the crazy guy. <laughs> I mean, Nicholson. It's like there, there's an impression of Nicholson for a reason. He does the same thing in every movie. George Cassandra, I'm working on my Jack Nicholson impression. Yeah, I mean, it's he's got, he's a one-trick pony, but it's fine. It's fine. He, he plays that trick well. Yeah. So here's the thing. Spacey, he, it's a little disconcerting knowing what, disconcerting, I said that word, disconcerting. Disconcerting. Knowing what we know now yeah. about Spacey, it's it's hard to go back and rewatch this and make up stories in your head about why he was drawn to this particular script. And yep. It's a little chilling, honestly. Uh, I mean, maybe chilling is strong. It's a little just like kind of icky. It is to icky. To think about, whoa, he got excited to express his artistic gift in this direction, knowing what we now know about yeah. a sick head. He it's gross. Is. That said, you know, a, a plumber might come and fix your sink and show us your show us his hairy, disgusting ass. But if he gets the sink fixed, he gets the sink fixed. Mm-hmm. To Phil's point, nice job. Just because he's a pervert doesn't mean that he doesn't do great work. And his work in this movie is amazing. The intro monologue it just sucks me right in. Like I'm just like on the edge of my seat. Like okay, mm-hmm. I'm in. Like and part of that is the writing, but part of the part of it is the delivery because it, I think it is a tough role to really deliver. Nicholson, what's not to love? I think he's incredible. I think he's so much fun. I agree with Phil. I do think he is pretty one-dimensional. He's got one, he hits one note in pretty much all of his roles. Um, And actually, he didn't hit it as loudly as we have grown to love him Mm -hmm. hit it, you know? Like in The Shining. I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah, like he he dials it up later on. He gets more Nicholson-y and he's not there yet in the in in cuckoo's nest so it's not quite vintage for me yet so for that reason i'll go spacey well said and i agree i've said this before if if you wanted to have a movie podcast but also make it a personality contest you couldn't have a movie podcast unless you only reviewed like religious movies (laughs) 
<laughs> Wait, what? I'm saying if 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 movie podcasts were personality <laughs> contests, like you couldn't have a movie podcast. I mean, we've talked about Bill Murray. We've talked about all these people who did horrible things. Oh, about their personal lives. Yeah, about their personal. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Well, it's a personality contest. Here's the contest, thing, yeah. though. I mean, like everybody can jump, you know, crawl up everyone's ass over what somebody did in their personal life, but at the, at the end of the day, they still did something great. And and you know, we can try to negate the accomplishments of these people all we want, but at the end of the day, they're the, the cinema still lives on and it's still streaming on all these networks for a reason. It's because their performances are undeniably flawless. Hell, I got the Blu-ray for $6. So it's not, you know, you can recognize the accomplishments of someone without condoning the actions in their personal life. And I think that's Mm. the nuance that escapes our fucking idiotic society. And how is Kevin Spacey different than any president we voted for? Hey-oh! Get down, I'll pay down your top for that support cash! Support cash! Get your... Get your spit to now. You like how I went straight from making fun of pedophile presidents to... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, I... Well, this to me, this is super one-sided, but uh, we'll just go down the line. Again, generational bias. But one flew of the cuckoo's nest. Uh, Nurse Ratched was Louis Fletcher, uh, Michael Berryman, Peter Bracco, Dean R. Brooks, Alonzo Brown, Danny DeVito. Christopher Lloyd. Can we stop yet? I would say Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, big Christopher, one. Whoa, he's way Sam, down. Will no, Samson. he didn't get paid. This is way before Back to the Future. This was before Christopher Lloyd was Christopher Lloyd, though. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, yeah. on American Beauty, you've got Thora. Oh, I'm sorry, Annette Benning. Thora Birch played the uh, the daughter uh, from our own Yellowstone. Wes Bentley is he in Yellowstone? He is. I'm two episodes in. Peter Gallagher. Peter Gallagher. Love me some Peter Gallagher. Shout out to the OC. Allison Janney. Chris Cooper, and that's really all that you need to know. What do you think, Kyle? I do go one floor of the cuckoo's nest here. I agree with the Academy about Hillary Swank beating Annette Benning. I, I think she's good here, but there had to have been a better choice here. I, I just I didn't love Annette Benning. I don't think she actually nailed the notes that were written for her as well. I also love how raw and organic, I love the process they went through. The way they they cast the patients for One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest was the director, Milo Foreman, acted as the ther- the group therapist in the ward and they had actors come in and he would talk to them and they only improv, so they didn't have lines. So he would literally go around just saying things to the actors that they would say in the movie and they basically basically cast them based on how they improv. I love how they're faceless, they're raw, they're all kind of a nice little bedding for Jack Nicholson. Um, I, I, think, I think it really comes across. I think they executed. I think otherwise, if you took her out of it, great cast for American Beauty, but she she did not do it for me. I go one flu. Phil, skis? I go American Beauty because I simply watched both of these movies and thought to myself, American Beauty, they didn't miss on a single casting in that movie. Mm-hmm. Everybody executed on an ultra high level and on a believable level. Oddly enough, Annette Benning was maybe the only debatable exception to that. But the the person who played the the boyfriend, the kid, the younger guy, he was... Wes Bentley. He Wes was an unsung star of that He was movie. really good. He was incredible. Thora Birch, right? Mm-hmm. She was amazing. She was great. Um, everyone in American Beauty delivered a flawless performance. Wow. Whereas everybody in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was a stepping stone for Jack Nicholson's <clears throat> performance. And I, I kind of see them as Jack Nicholson standing on the top of this pile <sighs> yeah. of, of really good supportive acting versus American Beauty where everyone kind of could have stood on their own if they wanted to. So that's why I go American okay. Beauty. I respect that, Drew. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, yeah, it, it felt like, and maybe it was because they were all dressed alike and they were all crazy and, you know, whatever. They had their similarities. But it did feel like it was Jack and his backing choir. That's mm-hmm. it was very, none of them really popped out to me 
person. I mean, except for Chief, uh, for obvious reasons. American Beauty, man, I can't. There, there can't be enough said. I mean, everything that you said, I agree with. And then also, I thought the the girl that played Angela Hayes, Mina Savari, the the hoey girl, that would have been a really easy part to be obnoxious with. I feel like she did pretty mm-hmm. good. It was borderline in a few scenes, but I thought she did a really nice job of like a playing someone super young and also mm-hmm. not being irritating. I loved Allison Janney, like she played the the wife of Chris Cooper. Mm-hmm. She was just like oh, very dead eyed. She's classic. Like, that was that was a like a kind of scary. Like it, she was really, a skeleton. It this really made you like hurt yeah. for the kind of the silenced housewife, American housewife. You know, the the one that had the dreams but like could never just mm-hmm. was always stifled. Gray, by her wrinkled eyes. I thought Chris Cooper down. was great. Like oh, I thought his yeah. ca- the writing of his character was a little abrupt. That turn where he just like made out with you know tried to kiss what's his name. But I thought his character, especially in juxtaposition with his gay neighbors, that whole mm-hmm. exchange at the door when he he you know he introduced himself as Sergeant Marine whatever and I, I just thought it was all those characters were so good so compelling there was never a time where I was just kind of like eye roll if a character was on screen I was always interested in everybody yep. except oh. for the daughter I was a little bored with her with uh, Thora Thora Birch I thought she was a little bit like meh I don't get it I think she was supposed to be which yeah that's the character mm-hmm. she's supposed to be that brooding teenager but mm-hmm. I wasn't into it but other than that flawless American Beauty man you guys almost changed me because I realized how hypocritical my stance is because I remember just now how Louise F- Fletcher to me to me what's brooding about her character is that she's an enforcer she's the oppressing force but she never quite feels like that strong to me oppressive yeah like and I get it and the reason is is because the way they coached her this is what they say the director says they coached her the way that she ruled them was by thinking that she was doing the right thing like she was convinced that she was actually curing these men so she's kind of confident but I never get brooding evil from her and I think she's she's kind of supposed to have a little more edge and I just never thought maybe because Nicholson's so big in our minds like you were right like he's not as big as he is now like in terms of his personality like when you look at The Departed The Shining the, when he plays the Joker like he's so big he's still pretty big here though and she's not even rivaling him right should I change I don't know I'm gonna stick with it because it doesn't matter but that was an interesting point somehow it is two to zero American Beauty here a couple of, a couple of big five Oscar nominees here alright let's get into a bro category Drew, start us off. Who would you, who would be the best person to bring to a party? Who's a better plus one? I did not know where you were going. Randall or Lester? Who are you, who would you rather take to a party with you? Imagine none of your friends, like you're going to a party with your friends, you got to bring someone. None of your, like, number one, I'm not available. Phil's not available. So you either got to take Lester or Randall to a party. What do you think? I think Randall. (laughs) I think Randall for sure. That visual of him with Randall. Why? I just, I think he's, he's, he would have more fun at a party. Plus he likes to, well, I, I don't know. Something about Lester, like he has more vitriol towards the world. Mm-hmm. Agree. And I feel like Randall doesn't, he doesn't share that hatred. He's kind of, he's kind of, there's a curiosity about the world. There's a mm-hmm. cynicism about the world. There's no hatred. He's kind of an optimist. Yeah. Especially when juxtaposed to Lester. And I freaking threw a, he threw a rager in a <laughs> insane asylum. I mean, it seems like he'd, be, he'd fit right in at a party. They got a vegetable to to drink liquor out of a out of the the straw, straw <laughs> container. I mean, yeah. right? It's amazing. Uh, yeah, 
I feel good about that. Yeah. No, it's great. You really can't go wrong. Phil. Oh, I definitely take Randall. I mean, that guy has a bizarre gift of he he just knows how to make people feel good about themselves, even if they have no reason to. And he I mean, he made an entire ward of an insane asylum feel really great about themselves. Yes. That was every cool time moment. he was around. And that to me is that's the life of a party. It's like when there's someone around who's making everyone feel good, you don't necessarily know always what's going on behind the scenes with that person. But man, when when someone can walk into a room and just make everybody feel like a million bucks, that's, uh, you know, you can say a lot about that. And so I would, Randall, hands down, easy. This is funny. I, I went opposite on this one. I, I think I actually would enjoy going with Randall more because Jack Nicholson's my boy, but going to a party and just seeing Lester just being savage to people is mm. and the sadist in me really, <laughs> you know. You just, you want a guy to like stiff dick everyone. Yeah, <laughs> just like when he randomly like, uh, he's like, I'm sorry, dear. I'll be whoever you want me to be. <laughs> and then he just like made out with her and Big put Peter Gallagher Troll, and it's like what that was so excruciating to watch. I just love I love the idea and I'd love to sick him on people I don't like. Like you see that chick she rejected me at college. Go do your thing to her. <laughs> go go burn go go do a savage burn on her. <laughs> and what does he say to the bartender when he only gives him a little bit of the gym or the little bit of the scotch? He goes, more. Yeah, oh, he was like, I'm gonna need a heavier poor son or something <laughs> like that. And the look he gives him, he's like yeah. like burning a hole through him. Yeah. I love it. All right, cool. Let's go to a party. It is one to two. <laughs> Your little transitions are great. <laughs> Let's go to a party. I know I don't have as many uh firm and game I have. Hey man, you party? <laughs> what? Yeah. I, do you get high? <laughs> Would you rather be married to Carolyn? Oh boy! Or this... under the care of Nurse Ratchet? <laughs> oh, this is God. actually not that easy. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> this is not Oof. that easy. I'll go. <laughs> this is crazy. I would rather be under the care of Nurse Ratched because the, 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 to me, the cultural force, the forcing of adhering to the f cultural norms that Carolyn's trying to, to adhere to with herself, her self help tapes and her pumping herself up before she sucks mm. at selling houses. To me, there's no worse. I would rather be in a mental institution under the care of a tyrant than be forced and be subjected to the failure of someone that is delusional and thinking they're somebody they're not. But I'm so somehow supposed to worship their altar of this American suburbia they're trying to create around me. All right. Well said. I have thoughts. Here's the question though. Is it a chicken or egg scenario where she's like that because she's not getting the attention at home that she needs from a husband and the guy is not doing what he needs to do to make sure she feels valuable and loved and cared for. So she's going and looking for it in her career and then her resentment's coming out at home. Like there's, it always takes two to tango in those situations. And for that reason, I would rather be be married to a uh, total whatever you want to call her because I feel like I could turn that situation around. Whereas if you're in a mental institution, you did something to get yourself there. The impetus for you getting out is possibly outside your control. And I am not a fan of being in a situation that I can't get out of of my own volition. Whereas with that marriage, if I can't turn that around, I can bounce. You actually just pointed out a huge plot gap to me that one of my few issues with American Beauty was the fact that he says he was happier with her. We don't ever know why. Like, we don't know what the change no, you do. He tells you toward the end of the movie when he's describing like, hey, do you remember when you used to do this? And when we used to like they used to have fun together. They used to be a happy couple. But, you know, as time goes on and people grow separate and and like resentment sets in because of the thing that this person did or the thing that that person did. And, and, you know, nobody's willing to like, you know, support the other person regardless of their actions. Like that's how marriages fall apart. And yeah, you do yeah. see her. You see him like w when he gets shot. He's staring at a memory of them. That's right. It's 
a, it kind of alludes to that a little bit. What an emotional moment. Which, by the way, was there ever a reference? Because that's a powerful moment when he's looking, he's reflecting, he's having that character turn. Like, oh, I do want, I do value my family and my marriage. We had better times, whatever. Bang, he gets killed. You think it's his wife. It's not. Mm-hmm. Then you find out it's not because you see her coming in with the gun. And then she, when she clearly sees it's him, she falls on all of his clothes in the closet. Was there yeah. ever a reference to his clothes or the closet before that? Or was that just a random expression of her? Random. It's a random dealing? expression of grief. I it's just a- feel like I couldn't help but like think how much more powerful would that moment have been when she grabs all of his jackets while if she had like maybe given him shit about the way he dresses or like mm-hmm. tried you know, to that's a common thing. Clothes clothes it's, like, a, it's a common thing uh, it's when somebody dies usually I think the hardest thing to do is clear out their closet so I think that was like uh, yeah no I get it I just yeah. it felt like oh wow she's falling into his closet but that, that just felt like a weird thing to do like five minutes after he yeah it was very it. instant if it was like if it was a scene that took place a year later and she's like sure yeah that. yeah I get but that but like literally she sees him brain, yeah. brains so that's all why over I, the- I thought maybe I missed him a jab about his clothes or something but oh yeah. my god my husband's been murdered it's time to grieve right now let's go hug the jackets yeah <laughs> <laughs> I never told him that I loved his leather jacket fuck <laughs> his brains are still spilling on the tile let's go hug the jackets there has been a murder and the only cure is more jackets <laughs> there's been a murder I got a fever and the only prescription is more jackets okay <laughs> we still uh, don't know Drew's answer I am gonna say so Miss Ratched seems way more enjoyable to be around than well I'm about to offend like 11% of our fan base but there is nothing worse than an Enneagram 3 who is fully bought into the American dream <laughs> yeah and that to me is Annette Benning's character she's deplorable she's so obsessed with like uh, success and achieving and power and that's all that matters to her and it's disgusting and she loves the facade and the fake and the blah, just like it's such a it's turn off so disgusting that said I totally agree with Phil's point in that I would rather be in a marriage that sucks than be literally admitted to an insane ward or whatever so I forget how the question was the, the one rather, you'd rather do is the winner I would rather be married to Annette Benning. God Ugh. tough it's a tough category tough, tough category <laughs> yeah that was that category. was the uh, that was the ultimate awful choice there yeah what did she say like the worst the worst thing she did was they're making out when like you get this slight hope that they're going to have a romantic experience and she's like, you're about to spill beer on the couch. It's not just the couch. It is Italian, whatever. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, shut up with your, your with your fabrics and but your materials. Dude never fucks her. What do you want? Well, I think, well, I always, what does he it want? It takes two, man. I think he oh, wants it. But, takes but two. that scene clearly said that he wanted it. Yeah, she at would. that moment, but how long had it been? You can't expect somebody to just respond when you haven't given that impulse in years. Oh, well, it's that's interesting. What I got from that scene was that he had he was the one with the sexual needs that she wasn't putting out. I think they had both gotten dry. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> dry. They dried up like an old flower. He's the one box that, of that's raisins. why he's fantasizing about the daughter and jerking off in bed because she hasn't put out Dude, anything. And all, all she cares about is all she cares about is work. Three to one American beauty. Best group therapy session. So if you are a group therapist, would you rather do therapy for Lester's family or the ward? <laughs> And one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Who would you rather be your clients? Whenever. I mean, the the ward. <laughs> no, I was going to say the clients. Or, I mean, the uh, family, for sure. 
<laughs> Go ahead. Why? Well, because they're more relatable. <laughs> that you have more information to offer them. Like, what can you help? I don't know how to speak to a literally clinically insane person. But you got to listen. <laughs> I would rather talk to a clinically insane person than talk to Annette Benning about her Italian but- couch. She was going to spill beer on my couch. Annette, listen, Annette, can we shut down the Tony Robbins tapes for just a few minutes? <laughs> I would rather. You guys Is it get- the fucking shoes? Are you guys getting a sense of my personality that the, I would be more comfortable in the asylum than married her or around her? I like am that- getting the sense of that. <laughs> So you want to be you want you would rather be the Lester's family, the Burnhams. You'd rather be their therapist, Phil. Same Burnhams, easy layup because there's logic there. There's you can work your way out of that hole that they've dug. With insane people, you are not dealing with a full deck of cards. Like you cannot play a game of blackjack without a full deck of cards. I can play a game of blackjack with a wacky shuffled, <laughs> irrational deck of cards, but I can't play without a full deck of cards. Well, the problem with these categories is that these are not the you're asking questions as if these movies exist on the same plane. They don't. One might as well be in World War II and one be next door. Oh, which is why this... Never mind. Uh, Okay, I just accidentally proved your point. Uh, No. (laughs) But they're similar in theme. You have to give it that. But they are different in that there's... Different context. There's no stakes with... I mean, we're talking about a freaking suburban house. Whereas one is set in an insane asylum. There's And he literally couldn't leave if he wanted to. One's a metaphor for freedom and one's actually not having freedom. They're different. So that's it's not a problem with the categories. I'm just explaining why we're going. I'll tell you what the problem is. That's why we're going with American Beauty. I'll tell you what the problem with the categories is. I think every category you two have agreed on the same thing. I have How agreed have we with, agreed on it? No, you've both picked the same thing almost every time, I think. Well, yeah. You two. I didn't preview the categories. I never is, is do. There a, is there a thing going on here? I'm just kidding. No, yeah, it's, it's called <laughs> We Liked American Beauty Better. <laughs> oh! Hey-oh! Well, this is very typical, Kyle. Go the go with the old one, the classic. You do you do default book. toward the old ways or the best ways, and yeah. you know which I, just, I love the nineties. We'll I think the nineties, but I mean, you know, that's interesting. You have you? I wonder if you've ever picked the newer movie. I'm thinking. No, <laughs> I don't. No. I'm thinking. No. no. <laughs> Taxi Driver, uh, Point Break. Did you go Jaws over JP? He did. I did every hard. time. Remember hard. Well, because you do. Jaws is way because you guys were pro land. Did you go Matrix? Over Inception? You did. I did. I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through. Let's carry on. <laughs> Dear Lord, I've got a problem. Um, all right. Four to one here. We There's there's no chance now, but we got to finish. Well, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, this is more of kind of an interesting kind of a standard question. There's no bro angle, but bro there's angle. a lot about both of these movies that watching them now, cultural context has an interesting lens to look at them through, which has aged better to you guys. I mean, it's interesting because you have mental illness. Um, we uh, now, I think we, we have a much more enlightened i would say overly enlightened point of view now yeah. i think we've the pendulum what have we talked about phil what are pendulums for but to swing but to swing pendulum's swing jobs back. aren't to sit in the middle so they always swing now we're like yep. so pro mental illness that we're posting our therapist you know interviews word yeah. for word here's a hot take i'm gonna say cuckoo's nest has aged better if you look at it as a metaphor for nurse ratchet and that system is big pharma Ooh, keep going they're just like Talk handing us me. pills here you need this you need this you need this and then we're all scene. just like it's pa- like zombies follow like oh I gotta medicate all my problems and like in that we're kind of like we don't have our own freedom we're, or we don't even they've duped a whole society mm-hmm. into thinking we don't have freedom to choose more 
natural ways of caring for ourselves or to maybe do something preventatively instead of just eating three cheeseburgers every night for dinner and then having to treat that issue later on. We're not trying to keep them. We're not trying to cure them. We're trying to control them. Yeah, exactly. Because it's all about money. Whereas American Beauty, I thought, has aged a little bit poorly, mainly because of the homosexual arc. It feels like yeah, that was, was kind of a big piece. It's like, yeah, dude, nobody cares about that anymore. Everyone's right. cool. It's like, well, you know what I mean? Like, it's just mm-hmm. not. I'm sure it's still relevant for a lot of people, so I don't want to make any assumptions. But culturally speaking, in general, it seems like less of a an issue that needs to be spoken to. So, yeah, Alan Ball is gay, the screenplay writer. So at the time, he talked about writing for that reason because it wasn't, you know, because we're in a totally different place culturally now. I think he was writing from that oppressed position. So I think that's why he wanted the neighbors to be gay and have them completely opposite of the military thing. I think that was him trying to further the conversation, I think is what he yeah, said. Yeah, and so. I got it, and I liked it, and it was good. It played well and everything. I just, just you wouldn't see that in a movie today. Yeah, because to, it wouldn't The daughter f- would have been gay or something if they, yeah. it, in today's... Today, people don't blink an eye, but the night, yeah. like at this time, it was still kind of like, whoa. I was looking at it from a different perspective. That does definitely make me rethink my take on this. I was going to go American Beauty just because I feel like the hyperbolized dynamics that it was trying to portray are still alive and well in society. Like, I feel like as a whole, there is zero selflessness in society and even in relationships to where people are willing to take responsibility for their role in failed relationships. And that was one of the, to me, like a big underlying theme in that movie was you had two people, no one was willing to kind of take responsibility and be the bigger person and step up and, you know, change their family situation. What Drew said about the asylum being kind of like a avatar for big pharma or whatever that uh, I can see that I can see both of those I still go American Beauty yeah, just they both because, hold up yeah like I because I think the concepts and the reality portrayed in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest just is not a thing anymore like nothing about that movie is a thing anymore versus American Beauty a good portion of that movie is still a thing even down to some of the attitudes yeah it's the same it's just on social people. media yeah and, and so I, I feel like that fractured <laughs> nature of the American suburban family is still alive and well, unfortunately. And uh, that movie did a good job of portraying an exaggerated version of it. So, ass American beauty. I swear I thought you were fixing to go. You can't even budge, can you? You can't even budge! I went Cuckoo's Nest when you didn't. I went Cuckoo's Nest, so we're yes. still going to win this category. It's five to one, though. I mean, no, you, no, no. Thanks for everything you did. You for went one... Cuckoo's, and so did I. Oh, so it did go. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. I got wrapped up in my emotion. Because of my big pharma take. Come on, bro. I'm fixing to post my therapist appointment after this, after that little exchange. Just, yeah. what a, just kidding. All right. Wow. It's four to two. So we have one category left. I did have a fun bonus category I wanted to do, but so here's the one. This this is amazing to me. Which movie is better if the lead men swapped? Imagine a swap here. Ooh. <laughs> you gotta do this with a great... With a, Kyle, you bad boy! <laughs> this is what I do. I stay up all night drinking tea thinking of categories. I love this. Is it the tea I recommended? <gasps> yes. Oh, fuck yeah! The African tea. Yeah. What's it called? Sam what know. is this bullshit? And why do you leave me out of these conversations? <laughs> we have liquid. We have weird sidebars concerning liquid. Most yeah, of the it's time. all liquid stuff. It's all liquid. Urine. I just realized this. Yeah. <laughs> Big urine thing. Yeah. Big urine. We talked about beer for like 45 minutes on Sunday. It was weird. <laughs> I'm actually thank you for leaving me off that. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> 
I can't <laughs> stop thinking about Kevin Spacey in Seven and how if you dragged and dropped him into Cuckoo's Nest, it kind of is perfect. That's true. Come on now. Yes, was, it's yeah. true. Come I was going to say the same Almost thing. better than Nicholson. I was going to say he, the same thing because... because <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Nicholson yes. plays a playful, insane person. Kevin Spacey would play a fucking terrifying, insane oh, person. Dude. Yeah, he would slit at least three throats. Hello, so. Nurse Ratchet. Yeah. Hello, he Nurse. Yeah, no. Oh, no, well, aren't you there. sly? You know, like she you would... Think you're so funny with oh, your man. white shoes and your white hat. Any of the <laughs> levity in Cuckoo's Nest would be gone if Kevin Spacey was in yeah. it. Like, it would just be a fucking gangster-ass crazy person movie where Kevin Spacey is just, Oh my you know, God. He would have slit Ratchet's throat and put her head in a box. Five minutes in. Nicholson, I, Nicholson as a dad, I mean, the only what, the only example we have of that is The Shining. And look at that situation. He's a great dad in that Yeah, movie. he was a great dad in that movie. So, I don't know. I'm trying I to think, think of Nicholson. Dinner! I think uh, Cuckoo's Nest benefits more from the Kevin Spacey Nicholson swap than American Beauty does because to me American Beauty was perfect the way it was whereas Cuckoo's Nest you know could have taken or left some of the detail that they decided to jam in to make the movie longer so anyway yeah I actually Drew said it better than than I ever could have seven the performance that makes Cuckoo's Nest incredible prospect to think about I do think though American Beauty isn't a better movie but it's it's a cool thing to think about I think it makes it an interesting movie not a better movie so that therefore it does go to Kevin Spacey being in one flu but it is fun to think about Kevin Spacey at the dinner table with Annette Bening and his daughter you know talking about Nicholson Nicholson yeah sorry how so I mean I'm trying to picture it I can't really see it it, it feels like the movie all of a sudden gets kind of funny yeah it does like with Nicholson get, in yeah. it like oh your friend is kind of hot isn't she you know like <laughs> it actually it, almost makes more sense too I mean even though Spacey's in real life he's creep, more of an overt Nicholson's creep. A, a ladies yeah. man which and, is ironic because I feel like American Beauty is it feels more funny to me than Cuckoo's mm. Nest. He's well, yeah. funny, I guess, but the movie was not. Yeah, it's described as a black comedy. That's actually one of the genres that's included in his black comedy. Yeah, this is a this is a interesting. interesting question with a lot of... Uh... So who gets this category then? One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. Yeah, So, but it's four to three. The, the bonus category I had was the Andrew's Honor. Because they're both recipients of five Oscar nominations, they have inherent levels of head-up-thrown-assness. <laughs> Like, Which one has more head up their own ass? Well, who gets the head up their own oh, ass award here? American Beauty one. has its head so far up its own ass. It's not it. I mean, they're it's, making st- every character, every arc, every moment is making a statement about something, for God's sake. Metaphors. Give us a break. Metaphors about metaphors. I mean, it, everything's yeah. a metaphor. If it weren't such a goddamn good story, it would be, it would wear me out. Yes. Yeah. To me, that's what Don't Look Up was. Don't Look Up was the same amount of like, God, at every scene, it's trying to make a point, but without the good plot. Good acting. A bunch of great actors and actresses not acting well. Yeah. American booty. It doesn't sure. really count, but I just thought it'd be fun in, in Drew's honor because we have so many ten Oscars. I kind of yeah. thank you. That means for lot, you. Bro. Thanks for thinking That's for of me. you, bro. I love head assery. Well, it <laughs> it was four to three. What a great battle! It almost landed in the cuckoo's nest. Actually, I, yeah, yeah. It, it almost thing, this podcast has been a thing of American beauty. Yeah, yeah. Well, it almost got American ugly there for a second, but it uh, is straight up. So anyway, do we want to do a quick round of preferences here? Do, do we need to say them? No, we don't. I think think we know but if I'm I had to, yeah You've almost, you <laughs> yeah. actually guys you make I will say you guys made enough good points to where I was like I don't know I maybe I should reconsider I mean, yeah maybe you should maybe yeah. you fucking should it's cause I'm a lifer and lifers don't renege this has been Kyle I think mature ones do mature ones I'm true who are you who am I yeah. fill my cup with that American booty love you bye Done it.